Welcome to the MedSpa Success Strategies Podcast, where MedSpa and aesthetics practice owners come to discover strategies and tactics that help them better market and manage their practices so they can grow, improve profitability, and have more financial freedom. I'm really excited today to be joined by Kelly Smith. Kelly's the CEO of Projected Growth Consulting. She's a successful MedSpa owner, accomplished author, a national speaker, and a proven MedSpa business consultant. Thanks to Kelly's guidance and the Projected Growth Consulting team, they've successfully supported more than 5,000 plastic surgeons, MedSpa and dermatology practices and increasing their revenues. She's authored three books that offer step-by-step formulas to increase practice exposure, revenue, and profitability. And her systems have helped thousands of practice owners accelerate their growth to over seven figures and beyond. I think this conversation is jam-packed with good nuggets today. I'm really excited to hopefully have a part two with Kelly where we can go even deeper. So this conversation is focused around her book, Top 10 Profit Killers. And we get through the first maybe 30, 40% of those items in some detail. So that's why I'd really like to continue the conversation because I think you're going to find awesome, actionable takeaways on the marketing side, financials, business planning, knowing your numbers, how to pay and retain staff. And again, this is a business where dotting your I's and crossing your T's is crucial. You need to have all of these things ironed out and humming along for your business to maximize its profitability and to give you the best chance at success. Looking forward to this conversation. Stay tuned till the end and hopefully we'll have Kelly back for part two soon. All right, Kelly, we're very excited to have you on. Thanks for joining us today on the MedSpa Success Strategies podcast. Thanks for inviting me. So I was excited to read the book. I always love, you know, being someone that's in the business too, as a marketing person, it's always good to hear what other people are doing, other strategies, and especially like the backend stuff with what it takes to manage a successful practice. Because one of the things that I notice is good marketing makes a bad product fail faster. That expression I think is very true in this industry. And you can only do so much with marketing if you're not fundamentally operating a good business with good leadership, good financials. No amount of marketing is going to be a band-aid to bad customer service and bad business management. So I was excited to jump into some of these points from the book. So if it's all right with you, I've kind of got an outline from my notes from the book, and I'll start at the top if that works. That's perfect. The first section of the book, I know you talk a little bit about financials, operations, and marketing being the three things that you need to get down. Are there any other categories that you think now with the version 2.0 of the book coming out that you would add to that? Or are those really like the three buckets that kind of... Um, are contained with the rest of the book here? Well, you know, there's three buckets for any small business and all of these practices fall into that um, category. And so there's always finance, marketing, and operations, meaning they're the, the, the foundational blocks of any, any business. And, and um, often with physicians in particular, because medical school is so focused on practicing medicine, um, they don't look at it exactly as a small business many times. And so the, the, the operations, they're heavy on operations and very light on financial and marketing, as an example. Uh, so that's why I really wanted to start with the basics, the 101. If you're going to own a small business, uh, then there are three areas. It's not just operational physician-directed care. Yeah, for sure. So let's dive into some of these specifics then. I, profit killer number one from the book was not having a financial plan. So I think, again, a lot of people going to medical school, maybe nurse practitioners, people that are um, you know, in the medical side, they might not have the business acumen when they open a practice. So could you talk a little bit about just the fun- fundamentals of financial planning, what people should be doing? I know you mentioned a lot of people ignore it because it's stressful, but really without it, you don't have a blueprint for success. Exactly. That uh, I would say that the financial side of it seems to be one of the more uncomfortable areas for most um, the doctors that get started. And clarifying, yes, um, you know, a monthly 
a lot of times to get a small business loan, you you will go through that process of creating a performa of you know uh, estimating what your sales are going to be by service, how many appointments you need to have in order to make the business profitable, you know your staffing and expense uh, projections. But that financial performa many times is just completely skipped by a lot of the practices. Again, I think it goes back to in med school there just isn't a lot of focus on business practices management, anything like that. And understanding financials is uncomfortable when you don't have any background in it. So creating a, a clear financial plan means setting up what are your revenue goals by month, by service, and projecting those accurately uh, based on the prices that you're going to charge, knowing what you're going to charge by appointment and cross-referencing that with what what is the capacity constraints you know how many rooms do you have what staff do you have and how much is it going to cost to render those services when you look at all three areas of okay here's 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 the services that i choose that i want to provide here's how i'd like to see those grow and i do have the room for them and the staff for them and then you move into that other area of marketing how do you how do you make sure that people know about these services in order to grow the practice and that's where the marketing becomes part of the financial um, part of the this the formula that gets missed because it, it does cost a lot more to create a two million dollar practice than a one million dollar practice you know everything's a percent of income and as you stressed marketing is only part of the piece because it costs 25 five to 25 times more to get a new client than to keep an existing one and so without the right um, standard operating procedures and customer service you know if you've got if you've got a problem where you you're getting a lot of leads, but you can't keep those clients, there isn't enough money in the world to sustain that model. Right. So it's it's what services do we want to provide that are going to make enough money per hour in the facility to create, you know, profit. And at the same time, do I have the right staff and 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 everything to deliver those services? And then that last part is what is it going to cost? to bring the, the patients to me uh, to, to grow that that model. So the financial modeling is key. Yeah, and anytime we're doing like ROI projections even, it's like you can't do, you don't wanna do those as a med spa or an aesthetics practice on the month one revenue, right? The whole goal is you need a patient, new patient in the door to have a great experience and you need them to generate recurring revenue. So in a sense, like some of those things are even loss leaders at times potentially because retention is the name of the game. So it's like, you know, you're, you're loading leads in, converting leads, but if you're not maintaining and retaining that business, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I see that with practices all the time. So totally makes sense. The old, the old saying of revenue kills and profit thrills is key. And a lot of people just think the more they sell, the better. And the quicker they get another location, the better. But you can work yourself right out of business that way. Um, and so that's a common mistake. And, and, and the other thing is um, they typically always think they need more clients, more equipment, or a better website to turn a business around when typically that's not the issue. It is um, an, a, it, the processes and procedures. Typically, we need better processes, more training, and a better uh, sales-oriented staff to grow a practice. It's usually not a problem of those other areas that they like to fix first. So this is a theme that comes up a lot on the podcast, and I feel like practice owners, it's not like the sexy appealing thing to focus on, right? So people kind of skip over it and go to like, okay, what can I do to get, get some more business tomorrow? But if you don't have those things nailed down, you're going to struggle 
in perpetuity. It's going to be an ongoing problem for your business. So like training, making sure that you've got the right staff in place, that they've got processes and procedures to do great work and make your customers happy is so, so important. So I know on the website, I think you have some downloads. Is that correct? That go through some of these like uh, financial exercises? Yeah. Well, we, we do have um, VIP inner circle coaching that we do weekly and we have an app that people can download as well as worksheets to enter in like their expenses and see where do their where are they stacking up against the industry? What should their payroll percentage be? What should their marketing percentage be? What should their net profit? Uh, what are they? What are their goals? Because really, a fifteen to twenty-five percent bottom line in this industry, which I'm asked about all the time, is really that's a fairly good uh, net profit for this industry. And there are ratios that are available. People are always surprised to hear that. That's one of the things I notice with my executive coaching and inner circle group is, oh my gosh, if I would have known there were targets of, oh, I shouldn't have my rent be more than 5% of income. I should not have my payroll more than 25% of income. I, I should be spending five to 10% of income on marketing to get off the ground. My retention, you know, the lifetime value, the retention, the conversion ratios, the closing ratios, the productivity numbers that your staff has to produce before they should get a bonus those numbers are available for this industry specifically. And once they understand those, um, I feel like the owners I work with are so empowered to make decisions um, with some confidence of realizing, oh, okay, I've already got my cost of goods down to 35, 40%. It's not going to get any lower than that. I'm going to focus somewhere else that's going to make a, more of a difference on my business, like the conversion of new leads. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, as you know, with digital marketing, so many clients will say, I need more leads, and then they won't answer the phone or follow up on the leads, but they're spending money to make the phone ring, spending money to get the leads, but not having the staff available to deal with the leads or, or the skill set of how to have the conversation with that incoming client, whether it's in person or by phone to help them become a patient or a client of the facility. Yeah, I love that. Like we've done that even with our business, like knowing those numbers of percentages, like what is staffing costs? What is your overhead? Cost of goods sold for project work. So that's, uh, do you have like some rough ballpark numbers? So you mentioned the rent number. Cause one of the things that I always say is like, to me, this is one of those businesses that you have to dot all your I's and cross all your T's, right? Everything really has to be aligned so you can hit that profit goal of like 15 to 20%. Because I see a lot of practices that might be doing a million dollars plus per year and the owner can't take home a paycheck. And so knowing those buckets, like you said, can help you identify where the problem areas are in terms of where you're spending money. Right. So step one is doing the industry benchmarking on their expenses. So particularly, you're going to look at rent payroll, marketing, cost of goods for injectables for retail and other, you're going to look at their lease equipment. And this is all in the book too. And it's, it's, it's easily benchmarked, but I, I would say that, you know, keeping that labor under 30% is critical, paying attention to your cost of goods for injectable and retail products, making sure you're, you're not over like a 40% cost of goods so that you're sure that you're not losing things in terms of loss and theft or uh, not doing inventory management and reconciliation, which is something that's missed a lot in the industry. Um, when, when a vial of Botox is 500 to buy and it's about the size of a nail polish, those things can walk out so easily. And if you're not doing good inventory management and accountability, um, it's just, it can take a while to find that kind of a challenge that could be going on in an office. Uh, the biggest thing I think is when I start with a new client, which I probably work with at least five clients a month that are wanting to start or move into this business. And my very first question is, how much money do you need to take home per year to replace what you're currently doing? 
if they say they're moving out of being an ER physician, which is really common, and they don't want to be in call and they don't want to do that, they want to be on that this lighter side of medicine and they're excited to go into aesthetics or functional or cash pay concierge, whatever it is. My first question is really what income do you need to replace? How soon? And what ultimately do you want to make? Because that drives completely what size facility we need, what sorts of services you have to offer. If I'm trying to replace a surgeon's half million dollar income, I cannot do that with laser hair removal. It will never happen. There's got to be some way to use that surgeon's hands at no less than 1500 to 2500 an hour, like period, full stop. And so when they come in and they want to replace a really substantial income and they're looking at a basic business model of injectables, laser hair removal, IPL, and some of these very commonly, you know, microneedling, RF microneedling, the basic services with nothing minimally invasive or nothing high end, which is a common choice is let's start small and then build up. And it's the exact opposite. You need to start with the big high end services and promote those. And then the rest of it falls into place, um, especially, you know, with digital marketing, the narrower your focus, the higher quality your lead. So, you know, if you're offering something that's not as common as toxins and fillers, if you're doing some sort of a, a lunchtime facelift that's non-surgical, even if it's $5,000, you know, for a, 20, for, for a two hour service, that's easier for me to get you leads on that because that's a unique service compared to everybody else that's doing Botox or cool sculpting, right? So the more narrow your focus and higher your price point, that's the part that seems to be an aha nine times out of 10 when I'm trying to help plan what what their business should look like if they're going to achieve their goals. Yeah. And keeping profitability in mind, that narrow focus, it also, like you said, it's going to help you with high revenues, but it's also a catalyst to making sure that you're managing expenses because you're not trying to buy every single machine, every single laser, every single thing you possibly could ever want down the line, you're trying to start with the things like you said, are high ticket and focus on those. Well, and, and it's hard to narrow. So I think that the, the, the trapping of it is um, the owner will think, well, if I've got my target demographic in here, I want them to get everything in a one-stop shop. I don't want them going anywhere else. And there's this fear that if I don't have everything, then I'm not going to be able to keep the client. And that's, that's not true. Um, you know, if you're, it, it's better to say, okay, I'm going to focus face or body. If, not both sometimes, you know, when you get started, or I'm going to focus on non-surgical combination therapies to give surgical like results, but it's going to be expensive and it's going to require expertise. It's easier as a marketing person to go out and focus on getting people that want a non-surgical um, alternative and knowing that they're going to be 45 to 65 to 70 and that they're not new to this industry. You don't have to, you don't have to create the market. The market's there. You need to decide what segment of the market you want, deliver that first, and then begin you know, to grow. You do not have to offer everything. And, and it's almost more challenging for the offices that are struggling if they have a lot of different technologies, especially ones that deliver similar kinds of results because the staff gets very confused as to what to recommend. If you've got three different RF microneedling machines, or even if you talk about retail yeah. products, if you've got seven different serums for anti-aging and three of them are vitamin C, 
the reason why you're not selling retail is not even your staff knows which one to recommend with confidence, you know, so it can be a problem. So that theme has come up on the podcast several times. I want people to pay attention to that. This fear of loss. It's like, if we don't do every possible thing, then we're going to lose the clients. And it seems that that fear drives people to making bad decisions where they, they are trying to do everything out of the gate. And they're not really managing, when we're looking at financials, they're not really managing their expenses. And their expenses are so high because of that, that it makes it really hard for them to be profitable and even take home a paycheck. Do you think that's that's pretty true? Like finding, finding your lane out of the gate, especially when you're just starting off, making sure that you're profitable as early as possible. Like you just talked about reverse engineering from an ER doctor and making sure that they're going to be able to replace their salary. That's a profit first mindset. And I think a lot of people are operating so much out of fear that they're thinking they just don't want to lose the client. We have to do everything. And that leads them to decisions that hurt profitability. Absolutely. And, and even things like, um, well, if they're listening to laser reps <laughs> about how to make a million dollars, you know, that's very misleading. And um, I think hair transplantation would be an excellent example. You know, follicular unit hair transplantation instead of strip hair transplantation is really attractive to doctors because they they don't have to do the units themselves. They can hire labor to come in, and they think, oh, the cases are ten to twenty thousand. If I even do six of them a month, I'm I'm golden. And the rep's going to say, yeah, and you barely. I mean, why don't you just go sip your champagne on the beach and let it make money for you? But what they don't tell you is that those leads are really expensive to get. And you better have a really good consultant closing those leads. And you are also selling primarily to men, which is a very different sales approach. We did a lot of um, hair transplantation events and worked really closely with Neograft and a couple other um, companies. And they, like I say, they're the most expensive leads to get. They convert at the highest rate if your staff is doing it correctly. Um, but the doctor oversight is, is really important um, and that bedside manner. Uh, but if you if you don't do your research and actually look at how much money you need to make and talk to someone like me that's going to be able to say, yes, that looks like a good opportunity, but the disposables on that are way too expensive or the, the lease, because it's easy to get um, confused by the profitability of something that you can bill out $1,000 an hour, even though you're paying 5000 a month for the lease of the equipment and the disposable cost, disposable cost is $250. They don't think that because they're like, oh, well, it's so much better than 50% cost of goods for injectables. Well, you have to really understand those numbers. You know, with injectables, yes, yeah, so if you do 100,000 and if you spent 40,000 on that and, you know, your labor costs are uh, hourly rate plus some kind of commission, you're still at a 25 to 35% net profit with no equipment involved and you're ordering as you go. And that that is a model that, works really well. Same thing with retail. They're confused of saying, oh, well, it's only got a 50% markup and I have to pay commission. Again, you do your 50% markup, your 10% retail commission, you've got a 40% profit with no labor. So yes, it's really, really critical. Um, but for some reason, um, that that takes a bit of coaching and explaining for people to wrap their mind around. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, one of the other things in that chapter that uh, on the first profit killer here with financials, uh, you talked a little bit about uh, teams, like so building your team and the financial incentives and transparency, which I thought was interesting. So the first thing I had in my notes here was just um, bonus incentives for the team versus revenue splits. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I think one of the biggest mistakes that new practice owners are making is they will hire people on a commission split because they're so worried about being locked into paying someone uh, hourly or a, or a salary when they're not busy. And so 
they're kind of cutting their nose off to spite their face because they don't really understand the margins. So they'll say, oh, I'll just give 20% off the top to an injector. Um, so, you know, for every $100,000 she does, she's going to take 20,000 of that without running the numbers to understand. You don't have to offer full-time full benefits to people in this industry. Many of them don't really want full-time and they don't need benefits. They like the perks of this industry. Say a nurse coming from a hospital that wants to become an injector. Um, one of the biggest mistakes I see is, oh, well, she makes 70 or $80 at the hospital, so I have to match that. And that's not at all true. She's doing a brand new job and has never injected any toxins before. That's worth $35 or $40 an hour to you. She's not on call. She's not working all night. She's not cleaning up whatever she was doing. This is a much easier, different job, right? But until she can create at least a 4X return on her hourly rate, until she, if you're paying her $50 an hour, until she's really selling at least two to two fifty an hour, you can't afford to give her any percentage of, of bonus for performance. Um, and so, the quicker they can grow their revenue, the quicker you can then pay them more. So that that conversation can be flipped completely into you're totally worth hundred dollars an hour, and as soon as you're producing four hundred dollars an hour, you can make hundred dollars an hour. And I'll work with you by creating the leads and the marketing to get the people in and even help you pay for your training to get your skill set up to where you're doing combination therapy, you know, to make that revenue. So that is the way, you know, looking at production multiples and knowing that a surgeon needs to be at an eight to 10 X, uh, a nurse level one injector is at a four level two is at a five level three is at a six. That tells you immediately, Oh, if you want to make this much money, awesome. Totally want to pay you that. Then you need to produce this much. So that means, your toxin appointments are 15 minutes and they average, you know, four to $500. Your, your fillers, you know, you, you have a one-to-one -one ratio and you're selling 25% retail. It's very quickly explained. So then if you have that done individually by position, because there are production multiples and pay scales, you know, uh, based on expertise all across the country, high, medium, and low, then you create a team bonus for the actual sales of the facility. So as an example, if you're trying to hit $100,000 a month, where then you know, you're know you paying what you need to pay and things are gonna be sustainable, everybody's gonna, we're good. I mean, I don't like to base it on break even, I like to base it on the goal that you need, right? Then anything above that, if you were to institute a 1% bonus to each person on the team or anything over, then for every 10,000 over, everybody gets a $100 bonus. And that way we get them all pulling together and rowing the same direction. So with that, we create just a weekly revenue tracker. So everyone knows where are we to goal um, every week, because if you're getting close to it and the team knows they're going to make a goal, they'll work together and say, hey, have you done your follow-ups or have you cross sell or could you call that person? Um, and I've really seen that take practices from three to four million and even get down an extra day in, 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 in treating um, clients and, you know, getting great, great rewards for the team. And, you know, the, the only fear with the owner is, oh my gosh, what if they realize how much money the facility is making? What if they realize we're bringing in $250,000 a month? And that's where it's just important to walk through and show them, okay, for every $100 that comes in or every 100,000 that comes in, max is 20% left at the bottom line because we yeah. have to pay the rent, we have to have the phones answered, we have to have the computer systems, we have to have the ERMs, we have to have insurance. We have to, it's really important for injectors to know this because 
they'll get stars in their eyes and they'll look at all this. They'll say, gosh, I'm producing 100,000 a month for these people and I work three days a week. I should just go do this by myself somewhere and keep all that money. And that's that happens when you don't educate about what's going on financially and people make that assumption because they're just simply not educated. They just have no idea, you know, what you're spending to make the phone ring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty nice, you know? Yeah. That was actually my next note was the conversation about financial transparency with your team. And you kind of tied that in perfectly though. You kind of need to be transparent. Otherwise people make their own assumptions. People are not dumb. They're going to have an idea of the numbers. And if you don't sit there and explain to them like, Hey, it costs a lot of money to run a business. Like you, we're talking about financials, but now we just brought up a potential issue with employee retention by not being transparent with financials. So I love the idea of that bonus structure plus the transparency. Well, and, and that's where when on the when you're negotiating a compensation plan and when you really explain to, I, I think nurse injectors are a really good example because it comes up so often. Whatever they want to make, showing them, you know, the lowest we're going to drive that cost to goes down for them with all the discounts for buying at a high level with your allergens or Galdermas or buyers groups. You can get it down to about 40% instead of 50%, sometimes 35%. Um, but so for every $100 they're doing, it costs you $40. There's only $60 left and they want, you know, anywhere between 35 and 75 an hour. And so if your average injector is billing out 500 to 1,000 an hour, it's costing you 250 to 500 an hour. And you just multiply, you look at that on a day rate. So let's say I'm paying someone 500 a day and they're, they're doing like, you know, 2,500 a day. Well, 2,500 minus the 12 minus the 500 it's very quickly what is that number that's there and then realizing that marketing reception the website you know a facility to come to that's nice someone greeting your client checking your client out a payroll system working and also like just patient financing payment processing just sharing with them some of those numbers of like okay well Let's just look at like for your room, if, if the facility is 5,000 a month rent and I've got five rooms, well, a thousand of that is your room. It's very, you can use round numbers. You don't have to get down to the detail detail yeah. just to explain to them, gosh, you know, if, if you're wanting to make this, then I need you to produce this and let me show you what that means in terms of profitability to the business, because it's very, it, it's a very handsome offering for the for the um, employee, if they understand the benefits of it, if they can understand the numbers, many doctors and many owners don't understand the numbers themselves, so they can't share it. Um, but that's really important to explain. Yeah, that's great. That was that was a great deep dive on financials. I appreciate that. Um, so number two on your list, profit killers, was uh, planning ahead for marketing success. So from the book, we actually start. I used to do this years ago, and we just got away from it a little bit for whatever reason. But giveaways. We actually, after I read the book, started doing this for clients again, and we're kind of using Facebook and Instagram ads budgets to boost those giveaways on social media. And we're building the database of leads for, you know, $1.50, $2 a lead. So can you talk a little bit about the giveaway strategy? And thank you for that tip. That was super helpful. Glad we got yeah. that back in the rotation. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, one of the things that I find with digital marketing is um, the business owners and the doctors are buying digital marketing and they truly do not understand what they're buying. And we can all understand that that's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating to buy something you don't understand. Kind of like, you know, you could, like you could be your own stockbroker, but the whole 10,000 hours idea, like you, you can learn it, but it's got its whole learning curve and it changes a lot. Marketing is very much like that. 
And I just feel bad because you've got consumers buying something they don't understand. And so they're so easily taken advantage of. So what you're talking about, yes, it has to be an irresistible offer because many times you're taking clients from another existing practice or med spa and trying to get them to you, or maybe you're trying to nurture them as a brand new first time client right out of the gate with a lip flip or uh, like muscle stim or fat reduction. You know, a lot of people in their twenties are doing, you know, lips and fat reduction, cool sculpt, M sculpt, that kind of stuff. Um, and in order to get them in the first time, the cost per lead for a new patient is about a hundred to $300. But when you're talking about paid social, it's a lot longer curve. You're developing that marketing list and then you're going to continue to market to them until you get them in. So there's disruptive marketing, which is on Facebook paid ads where you're offering something complimentary like a, a free um, hydrofacial with any new consult valued at $199. Let's say that's what they threw out there and it's $25 kind of an offer. Just to get someone in, right? Just to get them through your doors and have the opportunity to explain your membership or to, to talk about combination treatment or to perhaps have them try toxins for the first time, whatever that is. That's disruptive marketing of here's this shiny offering and it's too good to be true. So I'm going to take it or I didn't even know I wanted to get that done, but you can do that. I want that, right? And so those converted about 10%, but the cost per lead so low that it shakes out. So that builds your list of people who are thinking about and might want to eventually buy that kind of like the cute dress that pops up on Instagram when you're not going to take a vacation. But if you are going to take a vacation, you wanted that dress and it sits in the cart. Sometimes you buy it. Sometimes you don't versus pay-per-click or SEO. I know I'm not happy that my hair is thin after COVID. I know I want something to make my hair thicker. I have been taking biotin. I don't want follicular unit stimulation or, you know, like surgery, but I am not wanting my hair thin anymore. And I'm going to Google for ways, non-surgical solutions to thinning hair. That lead coming up is that person's looking for a solution. They want it now and they want it somewhere convenient. And that's where the couple words underneath that pay-per-click are so incredibly important, like treatment starting at 99 a month or free toxin to any new client and they call for details um toxins and certain certain procedures are kind of like crack give the first dose for free because it wears off and people will then keep doing it right so saying free toxins with laser or free toxins with whatever you're trying to promote they need to come in do a consultation to see how many units they qualify for and it's a, just a marketing is to get clients or to keep clients or to grow clients so in terms of the getting clients it's that irresistible offer, but it can be almost Groupon-y to where you have to make sure your staff has been trained on the sales process because it's the upsell, the add-on, and the combination treatment in order to make it worth giving that, that service or product away. And that sometimes is the missing link. Makes total sense. And I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's, I know, one of these debated topics, the idea of discounting in these offers. And we're big proponents of that too. One of my favorite quotes is from a book called The Advertising Effect. I use it all the time. Action changes attitude faster than attitude changes action. Just a fancy way of saying the best way to shape someone's perception of your practice so that they have a preferential view of you versus all the other people that do what you do in town is to get them to come in to have an experience at your practice. So you don't want to introduce friction. You want to make that as easy as possible to get new people in the door. And it's been 
for years, I think one of the most effective strategies we've done, even with the social ad side, and I know there's a, people, a lot of people that still have an aversion to it because they think they're cheapening their brand. We had Sarah Schickman on the podcast. She talked about that she used that exact strategy to grow her practice. And those people, when they're happy with the service, a lot of those people are going to stick around and come back to you at your normal prices, buy memberships and be patients and customers for months and years. Well, and if you're strategic in the way you create a cross promotion or a giveaway and you look at what it truly costs you to give or provide that, there are low cost solutions that have high perceived value, you know? And so, I mean, depending on, on what you choose to use as the gift, kind of like when you buy this, you get this for free. There's a lot of lasers like IPLs and, and, and some of the other laser facials that don't have any disposables. The machines are paid off. The labor cost is 20 bucks, even though you might charge $300 for that treatment. You know, any, any new injectable client gets a free laser facial valued at $300 on us. That's a very high perceived value and it costs you $20 and you've got that staff member sitting there anyway and you need clients. So what's the problem there? And, and, and besides that, you know, it's got to be done in a series. So you've just created, you know, and you're, you're kind of like try before you buy, you're giving yeah. it to them, but you're getting the sale anyway of, you know, if you come in and treat with toxins this month, only new patients get a free laser treatment on us valued at $300 that will make the phone ring and they will come in. And what do they need before they can get that laser? They need a skin consultation. What do we tell them in a skin consultation? It's always combination therapy at, you know, retail um, skincare and your SPF is for your protection of your investment. In order to enhance your result, you do it in a series of treatments. If you really want to optimize this treatment, we add stem cells. You're, the influencer that you're seeing or the celebrity that you're seeing and you think they look great, they're not just doing Botox. <laughs> It's combination treatment. So it's that sales training that, that that's why I say sometimes you need better processes or more training, not more clients. You need to deal with each client in a better way. And that's ongoing, you know, skill, skill training for, for the staff. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome advice. Like I said, I really enjoyed the book. It's, it's really fun. Even as someone who's, you know, been doing marketing for medical practices for 10 years now, like I learned so many things from the book, even on the marketing side. So I know we're only through the first couple today, so we'd love to have you back on, but uh, everyone I really encourage you, no matter what stage you're at in your business, get the book, um, go through the chapters. You're, I guarantee you, you're going to find a nice handful of things that are going to impact your business um, immediately. Uh, Kelly, where can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Uh, well, the website is projectedgrowthconsulting.com. And of course, we're on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. I do a lot of free training on YouTube. If you visit our website, we have complimentary downloadable tools and the book on Amazon, you can get a free copy of the book at our website. Um, and it is just newly revised second edition because as you know, the marketing, marketing things change quickly in the industry. And um, so, so it is updated. We have online courses that are on demand so you can uplevel your skills whenever it's convenient. Um, I know it's hard sometimes to plan for all that training, but you know, as a, I opened a med spa and ran it um, myself and it was a million dollar location and then sold that um, to my main competitor years ago. And every tool in this book is about a 10 to 15 minute tool or less, because I know what you don't have when you're running these practices, you don't have time. <laughs> you barely yep. have time to order lunch or to use the restroom. It's not as glamorous as it looks like. So every tool in the book is basically the top 10 profit killers that hurt the businesses and you can kind of triage, you can pick where you're struggling. Is it financial? Is it marketing? Is it staffing? Is it company culture? And you do a quick 
diagnostic, like a health and physical on your own practice in that area in order to generate a quick strategy checklist. So it's as if you're doing the consulting one-on-one -on -one with me, that we would take an hour to handle a topic like this, and you can do it yourself DIY style with the tools in the book. So that was really my goal with this book is, you know, you can use it as a quick reference guide to fix a problem, or you can go step one through 10 to revamp or to start it right the first time. So it's really whether it's a turnaround or a startup or just a, a helpful tool in your toolkit to triage the business. As we know, there's always one or two problems going on and they, they like to rotate as the company continues yeah. to grow. <laughs> And sometimes when you're in the mix of it, like you're a practice owner, you don't really even know. So that's the other thing. Not only is the like the things you outline in the book, I think they're really great tools to help you solve the problems, but also identify the problems. Because sometimes you're just so caught in the day-to-day -day that until someone, re you, you hear it back at you, it's not going to really connect that, oh, I'm we're missing the ball on that. And again, like you have to dot all your I's and cross all your T's in this business to be successful. You can't really, you can't really score like a seven out of 10 on this checklist and be successful because those three things that you're failing on could be the things that are detrimental to your business to the point it's not profitable. Well, and just like when a patient comes in, if they say, I want my appendix removed, we're not just going to remove their appendix. We're going to yep. have them fill out of health and physical. And you know your business better than anyone else knows your business. And this is just a health and physical by area just to stimulate exactly that forest through the trees uh, for yourself to say, okay, let me do this 10 point check-in and see if this is where my issue is. Um, and at the same time, it, it, it's, you know, you know your business, you're identifying what the challenges are, but there's a solution for them right there as well. So, so that's really what we're striving for is identifying and creating a solution that you can implement in a timely manner. Awesome stuff, Kelly. I really appreciate the time. We'll have all the links to everything that you mentioned here in the show notes, whether you're watching on YouTube or any of the podcasting platforms. And hopefully we'll have you back on soon because I know we didn't get through all of my checklist today, but I'm glad we got to go deep on the things that we did. So I really appreciate your time. Thank you. My pleasure. Hope to Thank see you, you again soon. Thanks everyone for tuning in. This podcast is a production of MedSpa Magic Marketing. If your MedSpa or aesthetic practice is in need of digital marketing services, help with advertising on Facebook, Instagram, Google, lead generation, and booking more appointments, please visit MedSpaMagicMarketing.com.